Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we give each other go-kart rides in a pot bolted to a skateboard. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my co-host Douglas. How are you, Douglas? Whee! I'm riding on the, the a pot attached to a skateboard. Whee! Woo! If this is your first time <laughs> tuning into the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020 and we've been watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 110, is Capernaum. Zane is a 12-year-old boy in Monday, Beirut, doing his best to make ends meet and survive with his family. Suing his parents for bringing him into the world, a story of hardship unfolds. Capernaum was directed and written by Nadine Labaki, uh, who is known for a couple other films. Actually, no, she's got- I think she directed about 20 films, so- the two big ones that came up on IMDb were Where Do We Go Now and Caramel. And Jihad Hajeli has also worked on those two films and this film as a writer. And Michelle Kesawani, who helped write this. And she also did a short this year called Le Chenis. And that is it. Uh, Letterbox also said that Khaled Muzanar also helped write it. I think you said. Yes. Yep. Walter Riders. Neither Douglas nor I have watched this film before this is not the kind of it's not the kind of movie that pops up at your local hoyt cinemas douglas they don't play this on a thursday night on channel seven douglas this is uh (laughs) this would be an sbs exclusive if anything um, oh, it's very SBS. Yeah, it's, very SBS. They, kind of they love, they love that shit. They do. They l- SBS is the, it's the, it's the show for, it's the, the channel for movies with nudity in them and, um, very graphic, horrible, horrible, sad, yeah. miserable, awful things happening. Non English films. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is the first, uh, Arabic and Lebanese film, uh, to enter. Nope. It's the first Lebanese. Oh, sorry. Sort of film. So, yeah. To enter okay, yeah. the top I'm, I'm sorry, you're right. 250? Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you really shut I'm me not, right I've been, gate, I've man. been, I've been taking a tally of this. Technically, what was the one where the name is just French for fire? What's that called again? On Sunday. That is not- That film is not set in Lebanon. It is not <laughs> set in Lebanon. It is set in an unnamed- Country <laughs> in the Middle East. That is absolutely not. It's definitely not Lebanon. Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. This is the one where they're officially like, yeah, this is Lebanon. Yes. Uh, yes. It was filmed in Lebanon, in real locations in Lebanon. Yeah. On location, I gather, largely speaking. Yes. Yeah. Which, um, you know, it's, we said it on, uh, uh, yeah, it was last episode. I think I probably also talked about it in the episode before. Man. You read that description, you're like, fuck. This that movie doesn't like sound like fun. Bit of a, yeah. <laughs> sure. This movie sounds like a- Ride for the whole family. Sit down for two hours and watch a bunch of people have a really bad time. Absolutely. And while I do think it was a great film, I think it was very well constructed, very cool story. Fuck, it was still not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I can confirm that. I don't know why- I felt not as entertained by this film in comparison to Come and See. It's hard for me to pin down because I guess it's different kinds of hell, but Mm. the hell that is Come and See feels a lot more captivating to me to watch, which also, I don't know, maybe I need to check my kind of- bias i suppose that is um, i mean i don't think that's a it's, bias thing it's, i think it's maybe a just a taste thing well it's white people being portrayed very predominantly in come and see and oh this yeah film is but not white people I, I so know. there's a distance there but it is but it's not it's like, not because of that um, like it's not like uh, i'm like yeah oh, I don't, I, their, their skin pigment is different to mine so i don't get it like, it's not that. <laughs> marginalised groups are marginalised groups. Exactly. Like, they're obviously quite distinct, but they're still, like, you know, they both they both had it pretty rough. Yeah. I think we can agree yeah. in, in their own unique uh, horrible ways. ways. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, movie debate. Who had it harder? <laughs> I, I, I think that I actually found this one a bit more palatable than Come and See. And I think I maybe hmm. enjoyed it a, l- a little more. I think Come and See is like a great experience. I could, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this a second time. But if someone put on Come and See, I'd be like, I'm going to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this one, I'd be like, fine. Mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. And I think maybe also this one would be interesting to watch a second time because it has a a semi-nonlinear structure. There's a lot more interpersonal drama. Yeah. That is fun to work with. Mm-hmm. Whereas Come and See is just like, watch a- Watch a dude just absolutely. Eat shit I mean, both films are like, like two watch. Hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that's interesting. It hadn't even occurred to me. Although I, now you made the comparison, I absolutely can agree that, with it. Yeah. That it's the same sort of maybe even misery porn to some yeah, degree. I have yeah. a great take about maybe one of the issues with a lot of misery porn i think this film handles quite well but i'm going to leave it to the spoilers because it the point i'm taking with occurs quite late into the film Mm. i mean it's not going to spoil we're leaving we're leaving (laughs) i've written a big note douglas uh have we seen a film shot like this before in terms of the way the camera is used hardware wise right from the beginning there is this intense light bleed Coming mm. in when they're inside. I don't know if you saw this, mm. but it, it, it was, it was so obvious to me. This intense light bleed coming in through the top of the lens, which I, I don't know if that's, that's probably just from uncontrolled natural lighting. I assume. I don't know if you have any insight on that. From what I could discern. Yeah. I think it's, it looked like a lot of natural light, but. There's got to be some augmentation happening in there somewhere as well, be it mm. color correction, be it some form of post-production process. I wonder, it could just be the, the particular lens they used, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it might have more of a tendency. Totally. Or maybe they were bouncing light around a little bit. Who knows? It could, it could be a similar effect to, like, fringing, how, like, light on the edge of the frame tends to kind of separate out mm. a bit like mm. it could be the same kind of effect where on the edges the light is more prone to anyway it, it, it got me immediately yeah and it, mm. i think it i think it has an effect of making the film feel quite real like you can also use steady cam stuff for handy cam steady cam handy cam handy cam handheld <laughs> isn't a steady cam a handheld camera though was like a shoulder-mounted one, right? Steadicam are those gigantic rigs that, like, it's like it's like hooked at the front, and then like it's the guy's got like this whole thing that's like oh, it's just it's just a steadicam is like a a weighted gimbal, yeah. But I guess a steadicam can also be. I really, I really hope, Douglas. I haven't spent the last like two hundred episodes <laughs> referring to a handy cam as a, a handheld camera yes. with the shape yes. that. Comes from the, that is what yes. I am referring to. Yep. <laughs> uh, they they get quite low a lot. Mm. I mean, this is this is also part of the course. Like, uh, it's probably the last fifty films we've had has had a really good balance of fixed camera, steady camera, uh, shaky camera, shaky cam. That's the term I was looking for. Yes. Which, in hindsight, is probably just the inverse of used as a direct con. Yeah. It's not steady, Douglas. Exactly. <laughs> it is a film that is- the, the mystery has been solved, <laughs> Douglas. Douglas, rest easy. I've figured it Douglas, out. Douglas, don't worry about oh, it. I've, I've worked it out. Thank God. I can- oh, How do you feel? I was worried about getting to knowing? sleep tonight, but- oh. Yeah, jeez Louise. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they use that a lot, which is dope. Yes. They shoot from quite low. I mean, I guess what I'm really talking about, what I really want to talk about is that this is one of the better child acting oh, performances God, yeah. we've seen. Yeah. Vivid. Yeah. And you have, I'm sure you did this. Have you skimmed the IMDb page, like the trivia? No, not yet. Hopefully this will get a reaction out of you. Hopefully it hasn't spoiled you. Zane is 14 and he went through- 
a lot of this shit. Oh. The actor. Fuck. The actor is Zane. Wow. It's fucking terrifying. So he's like, he's a he's a refugee or Yeah, he's a he's a Syrian refugee. Wow. So it's not it's not like a, a one for one account of his life, mm. but it's like very heavily he based on his can relate his experiences. To, yeah, the experience that it's that Nadine is looking to portray. Mm. And the the director just met him like on the street. Wow. And it's because because I'm I was constantly going like this kid is fucking crazy like this kid is w- what fourteen year old do you know that could be is able that, to act like so fucking convincingly absolutely it, it entirely because makes sense. he's lived it so like it's uh it's it makes it so easier from an actor's perspective to 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 tap into that emotion because you've lived it. It's fucking- you just have to put your head in yeah. that memory. It's not even- you don't- a lot of- what I've been learning a lot of in acting classes recently is figuring out what memories you have available in your lexicon that you can use as ammunition almost to get you- to propel you to the emotional place that you need to get to in order to portray the character. Like, how do you portray- or how do you become grounded in an experience that A, isn't yours, or B, you haven't experienced, right? So, mm. number one usually is, like, go and put yourself in that experience if you possibly can. So, mm. you get that first-hand account. Or try and find something within your memories to be able to, yeah, propel you to where you need to go emotionally, but. Like yeah, the yeah, reason yeah. it's so fucking that yeah that's a um I am surprised but I'm also not surprised at all that Zane is very well lived in this particular given circumstances that because it's just it's a very very powerful performance yeah it's one of those classic like you scroll down it's the first thing on the trivia like yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> no shit. Mm. All right. Yeah. You're kidding. You're not Fair kidding. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. It, it's uh yeah. It's a just a great, great performance, and I think everyone. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there wasn't a bum performance in the thing, no. and there's actually quite a few characters that drop in and out, mm. like lots of lots of short roles that are still given the like weight. That they of like their f- yeah. he is their f- he is their face center of frame like this isn't just like a side character who just gets talked to briefly it's like here is them having a short conversation with this and that makes them a character and it's full of that and I yeah I really um I believe that she also Nadine tried to use a lot of people who were who were not actors for roles like that to try and get that really legitimate experience. The the realism, yeah. Which is funny because I can go one or two ways and one of the ways it can go is really bad. Awful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because really, really not good. The the and the way that it goes awful is the the people who you get feel the need to perform, to to give something that is inauthentic because there is a camera Mm. in front of them. But yeah, I I do agree. Every actor here is performing very authentically and really leaning into the experiences that they've had, which is just got to be a fucking traumatic thing, honestly, to mm. to have to mm. delve into that part of yourself. So, I yeah, I dips my lid to, to all of these performers, that's for sure. I do want to briefly touch on the composer, who we also have found mm. on Letterboxd, uh, contributed to the writing in um, some way, Khaled Muzanar. Really quite fun. I mm. was expecting to hate it because sad drama movie, need big sad score to make you feel big and sad, but it, <laughs> it does that sometimes, but- more often than not, felt quite reserved. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked a lot. I like I'm the still, instrumentation a lot. I'm still, I'm still punching through it in the background of this episode, so we will find out. Maybe I'll, if I remember, I'll drop back in. I probably won't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do remember 
recognizing, like listening to some of the tracks while the film was playing, going like, that's really nice. I really like that. That's, that's something else. So I'll try and have some more in-depth insight Concrete on why thoughts. I think those mm. things. But I did like it. So there is that. Uh, and probably maybe one of the last spoiler-free things I could talk about is the way that all of the establishing shots- What, what are they- what are they called? Vase shots? Oh, That fucking Japanese director that does vase shots? That's what it is, right? This is maybe- no, this is what it is. It's like these connecting set shots of just like, here's some other stuff. Let's just get you back in the headspace, you know? Here's some- I will hear you some dr- distressing stuff. Point you at this. Point you at that. Whoa, we really are in to the like fucking favelas. Reset, you know? in a way, yeah, and like and like reground you in the location. So, the area around the slums that Zane's parents live in. There's a I forget what led up to it exactly, but there's a shot where um some shit's happened. Whatever they're going to bed. And there's these, like, nighttime shots of, like, looking down the street, uh, which are these, mm-hmm. like, beautiful, complex scenes. And what really got me is there is a quite, uh, like, zoomed back shot of, and in the center of the frame, or, like, bottom left of the frame, is a, a, a girl standing up doing, like, a bad robot dance. Yeah. And- what I assume is her dad, like, sit, like watching her on, like, a chair or, like, a couch or something. And it's just, like, it's so out there that you immediately believe it. Yeah. Like, it's so- Organic. It's, like, that could only happen in real life. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, no one in a writing room goes, and then we show this. Yeah. It's, like, they would have had 200 hours of B-roll and they were just, like, just Fucking, we gotta keep that one, Pointing man. You are kidding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moments in time, mm. Mm. and that also, in a very similar way, happens with the way that they compose. Because Zane just spends a lot of his time wandering, uh, wandering around in the film, and that also feels like so natural all the time. Like when he is in the maybe one of the later parts of the film, he's sort of like trying to work out how to make some money and he's just like walking around and just like sitting at places and like looking like he's thinking or like looking up at something yeah. and i'm like that must have been the same thing mm. like I, I feel like they i feel like you couldn't compose a shot well enough i think you just had to walk you around just, and yeah, go like yeah and just give him a bit of mild direction and then just yeah go for it let the camera roll yeah Pro- probably because it was him he probably could have had some good insight on maybe what would look good for something like that, mm. you know. Mm. Like, he, he would absolutely be a resource that you would want to utilize oh, yeah. in putting Invaluable. that all together. And I'm sure that Nadine, I mean, it's very evident by the film that Nadine leaned into Zane's lived-in experience and really he feels like such glue for this film. Like, it's- if you didn't Mm. have Zane, this film wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a very story-heavy film. We've talked about just about everything we can without spoiling said film. We- I think we can agree that we thought the dramatical elements and the the character elements of the film were great. We'll talk about them in some more detail. We recommend that if you like what you've heard so far, pause the podcast, pick up Capernaum, and uh, watch yourself and come back. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah. Would Douglas, you recommend-, would you recommend this film? Duh, you fucker. Um, <laughs> I do probably. It's, it's very sad. If mm. you're if you're not up for feeling sad, then give this one a pass. But if you are, yeah, you're you're you you fuck with this kind of vibe. It's exactly what Jonathan said. Give it a crack. There's some ideologies and things that I've read that have been brought to my attention where I go and I can go, yep, I understand that. And I can see how that can be problematic if you were to observe the film in that kind of a light. Oh, okay. Interesting. But- Do you have, do you have any like, uh, like we'll talk about it after spoilers maybe? Yeah. Do you have anything that you can just briefly talk about? Point out to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds uh, really, that sounds really interesting actually. There's enough discussion around 
the implication of um, eugenicism uh, in the film. And it also kind of feels like the film targets itself and it brings itself in on these very real subject matters and lived-in circumstances, like, but I feel like it didn't shine enough light on why and how these people are Mm. in these situations. Because they are based in real world circumstances, but it feels almost disingenuous in a way to, especially to a Western audience who, like myself, I don't fucking know what's going over in Syria or in fucking Lebanon, uh, but it sure doesn't look very good. (laughs) I just would have liked a little bit more Mm. context. Okay. to, to, To be able to go like, to point to something to be able to go, okay, now I actually understand why shit is so fucked for these guys. Mm. But that also, like, that may not, that may not necessarily be Nadine's f- or the crew or the film's fault at all. That may be just a fault in my own gap of knowledge and world comprehension. But yeah, just can't help but feel like it's just when it's being pushed to. Primarily, right from the get-go, the Cannes Film Festival. Um, well, that is true, yeah. And being pushed to a United States and European demographic whose money is contributing to these guys, this country, these people. Right. And they're- Oh, you're looking really macro. Someone did some reading. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their lack of well-being, mm. I'm like, that just seems a little bit kind of- the inverse to me. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Sorry, I hadn't very even- long-winded, but- no, yeah. no, that's an entirely good point. It's probably- It's- Oh, it's like I said, the film sort of is misery porn in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Gee, isn't life sad in Lebanon? How many scenes of a kid suffering can you handle? Yeah. <laughs> it's the better question. Fuck, I'm a mark, Douglas. I got- f- I got- They got me. They got me. <laughs> I've been had. Like, I, I entirely <laughs> ate it up. <laughs> I well, was you- thinking- I was thinking about uh, how- You're allowed to How it it's up. like- you, my, It's not really spoilers. It's like, this is like, regardless of what happens in this film, like, what happens in the end doesn't really address the larger problem. It just kind of ties it all up in a bit of a bow. And I'm like, yeah, but I think that- I think that's maybe the- Maybe the point is, like, this got sort of fixed, but was not really- mm. If it, this situation, but there's mm. got to be hundreds of these situations and thousands of these situations. I was to say, if not thousands, yeah. So, on the other hand, it's an interesting story and- Yeah, yeah. We, I think we've definitely had this before, where it's like, what do you- do- Like, if you've got this interesting story that is emotionally gripping- and has the potential to bring this problem to people's attentions, is that worth the fact that 95% of the audience will go, that was crazy, anyway. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it will affect them quite briefly and mm. they'll just move on. But is it worth it for that small percentage where it might result in some good coming out of it? I don't know if that mm. was the aim, but I, I, you'd hope that that's what would happen. Uh, it's hard to say. The uh, la- uh, complex philosophical and ethical dilemma, Douglas, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. Hmm. I don't know. It could just be me getting very heady about it as well. Oh, I mean, no, it's good. It's good to think about that. Hmm. That is legitimate. And I don't think there's a hard conclusion on, like, there's no single answer to that. Uh, like everything, Douglas, there's nuance. But- it's good that you brought that up because I probably would have breezed straight past it without bringing it up. Um, mm. Ignoring the the um, epiphany that you've given me, Douglas, I thought it was pretty fun. <laughs> I thought it was fucking- mi- No, I thought it was fucking miserable. Yes, but cinematography, Zane, like- mm. it's, it's Undeniably a, it's, moving. It's based on real experiences, which just purely not thinking about the ethics of it is a great piece of film. It's not- a complete miserable fuck fest, like it is. Yeah. As 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 much as you can compare it to Come and See, it isn't Come and See. 
And there's some, I, I, I had some fun takes about it. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd recommend you watch it. Absolutely. Uh, as long as you can handle it. Like once again, it isn't as bad as come and see is in terms of just like being horrible and miserable, but it Pure, is still unrelenting. Yeah. It is still pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty rough in a lot of places. So just be aware of that. And come and see is a bit more historically kind of like. That's in the past. Like, it's a little bit easier to detach and for that to be a little bit more mm. historical. Capernaum is still a very much, like, tangible, yeah. real, this is still happening. This is an- and doesn't look like it's about to go away anytime soon. So, no. um, yeah. I, 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 think my, I think my direct answer is that it's maybe less about exact situations that have happened or, or conflicts or things like that. And it's maybe more about cycles of abuse and cycles of- um. Poverty, perhaps, mm. uh, which I think the film does touch on fairly well. Like, <clears throat> talk about in the spoilers, but the the way that the parents are uh, portrayed and their yeah. their situation in amongst it. Uh, before I fucking spoil anything, all right, I want to write a note about this parents. <laughs> talk about the parents. Ah, <laughs> uh, content warning. Content warning. Um. <laughs> Just like horrible child abuse in like a child abuse, forms. Uh, <laughs> chi- uh, child marriage. That is that is yeah. pretty. That's not a fun thing to happen. Um, I think there's not much besides like yeah, like just like portray a portrayal of poverty that is quite confronting. Mm. And just like it, I mean, it will make you feel a sense of despair. So if you're already going through a sense of despair, my little <laughs> anxiety young ones. <laughs> Give this one anxiety, a miss. Anxiety-ridden podcast listeners. Give this one a miss. Toy Story 3 is in a couple of episodes. <laughs> ride, just Hang ride it tight. out. You'll be fine. Yeah, we'll, yeah, see, yeah. we'll see you then. Yeah. Let's have a spoiler noise. And we're in the spoiler zone. Doug, the thing that I was teasing, this film has the scene that is the least white saviour scene I've ever seen in a film. True, yeah. When they're in the prison and the- yeah. I assume they're, um, what's the word for it? Like, mission- I, th- I think they're missionaries. Come up. It's just a bunch of white people. And you're like, fuck these guys. Yeah, God Fuck damn it. you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, I th- get the fuck, you fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> 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 Which was cool. Visceral like reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, unequivocally, and obviously, yeah. it, it is a very in-house production. Nadine and the other writers and Zane- a Lebanese or live in Lebanon. Um, so cool, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Probably, probably either this is a known thing or Zane was like, and then these fucking white people showed up and did yeah, yeah. and were no help at all. <laughs> and then today was like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Rubbed our hands together. Yeah. <laughs> write that down. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, I thought that was great. And I think, yes. um, yeah, yeah. I think, like, we were talking about Honor Among Thieves, how I thought that, like, say we were about that film, I love that there is a male-female platonic relationship. Yeah. Mm. Same thing. Like, whatever you say about this film, the absolute anti-white saviorness of it was very refreshing after, yes, so like, nice. Mockingbird and, like- And it's been, like, so many- yeah. So many films we've had where it's, like- this is a cool exploration of this XYZ issue about minorities. And then a white person shows up and fixes it. And you're like, I wish this could have been done differently. Yeah. That was neat. I it probably wasn't super intentional. Like I, I suspect it wasn't like a, um, a protest on that trope or issue or whatever, but it was fun to see. The, oh, the parents, man. And I mean, everyone, almost, almost everyone in this film. Is like act horribly, and then you are given an opportunity to go. Like everyone's just got a million things going on, and nothing is good. And you are just focusing on however many things to try and you know the lesser of two evils type thing. Which obviously, and and this is underpins the whole film is the situation with Zahar being married off to what's his face. Um, which we know will not end be- well, and then does not end well. And you're almost like, you almost feel for them, for the mum, right? Like, yeah. 
and I think I think that's the thing. It's it's not it's not black and white. And what when it really comes down to it is that she's just fucked. You know, she it is. She's in poverty. She can't get out of it. It does seem to be the one thing that the film concedes is that just like here's a bunch of people who have been dealt a bad lot. Yeah, there is no good solution here. And and the other thing is like as with a separation, the cultural sort of norms from mm. that society play into it a bit. Like the film is not at all saying like. This dude married an 11-year-old and got her pregnant, and that is a cool, normal thing to happen. It, it's mm. very- as it was in Separation, it was very fucking critical of that. Yeah. But it's an element. It's, it's, it's something that you might not see in some other- If you were to ask, like- This film is actually higher in IMDb's top 250 now, by the way. At time of recording, it's actually at number 88. As opposed to, what is it here? Fucking 110. 110? Yep. So, it's gone up like 30, 40 odd places. 30. Mm. Um, so- yeah, did you, did you want to talk about the- the the, yeah. <laughs> the drop? The, do you want to spill the tea, Douglas? <laughs> spill the- <laughs> So we are not. This is this is not the this this is not the amount of respect that the situation should be given. I apologize deeply. Okay, so I do want to preface this by saying that I'm probably nowhere near qualified or credited to be able to properly discuss these matters. But this is the this is the spark notes from what you read. Yeah, yes, from the reading and the stuff that I've done and the outside. Discussion, this is what I've been able to discern, and I think it's important to bring to attention. With what we were talking about before, how it just seems like all of these characters have just been dealt a bad lot. It feels somewhat helpless in that, and I just wish that there could have been even something in dialogue form, I think, would have been a good way to to do it, to be like, it's because of the Civil War, or it's because of... French and British imperialist kind of forces. Like, I just wish there was- Nadine was able to make some form of commentary towards that real-life kind of impact that is what is putting these people in this level of poverty. Because it seems almost as though Nadine is withholding that kind of commentary because if she did give that commentary- would that swerve away any a more Western audience? Because it makes them go, oh, fuck, we're responsible for this. No. <laughs> I feel like the Cannes Film Festival crowd is probably mature enough to take that. They gave this film a 15-minute standing ovation. I saw that. I did roll my eyes. As <laughs> any always. film that gets anything longer than three minutes worth of a standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival, I'm always like, oh, here we fucking go. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't your hands um, they should They should shoo you out of the- th- You know, yeah, okay, yeah, the credits are over, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, you need a security guard or something at the Cairns Film Festival, just be like, all right, shut the fuck up now, like, the next film's on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I would hope that- I would think that the, that particular audience- Like, your average movie-going audience, but, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's not- It clearly wasn't- written for that average audience. Totally. But you also make a good point that the film's existence in and of itself, if it does promote that level of curiosity as it did in me, it has given me more insight and more knowledge and more- it's lit a fire under my ass to go and actually find out just what the fuck actually is going over in um, Lebanon and, like, what are Syrian refugees? What are they refugees from? Like, it's mm. stuff that if you asked any fucking yobbo out in Sydney right now, I can nearly guarantee probably maybe three out of the ten people that I ask would I be able to give me any form of, like, discernible or intelligible response. Yeah. I don't remember the exact details. I do remember seeing footage of the- fighting on the streets in the Syrian civil war a couple of years ago. I think it was pre-COVID, which would make sense, actually, given this came in 2018, 2017. Mm. Yeah. And it was like phone camera footage of like, this is the street. 
below my house and on the right there is a bunch of sandbags and boxes that people are shooting from behind and on the left out of frame is like a bunch of other people like that shit's fucked i i i yeah i don't remember the specifics of it but it it's not good it's mm. it's pretty bad over there and then you can sort of walk down the chain of like okay what led us to that point you know yeah and a lot of the time not all the time but a lot of the time the answer is foreign oil interests <laughs> yeah yeah uh money wouldn't you know it and then the other i guess more grander scale issue that i have with the film is that it promotes eugenicism in the form of people who are in poverty shouldn't be allowed to have children like uh, yeah i think that is a very dangerous ideology to throw around it gives it a lot of fire and it gives it a lot of aggression but it doesn't ever feel like it can rationalize that fire it just goes like we get zane's pov and we get all this fucked up shit that's happened to zane and then we just go the the his standpoint is what we are served mm. which is people in poverty people who are poor stop having children please and then that like shallows the fucking gene. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, well, uh, because it probably is his legitimate opinion. I don't know if the actual trial was- I don't think the trial was a real thing. I'm not sure. Probably he does have, have a conviction. Out. I don't fucking know. Oh, yeah, probably should have found that out. But, um, yeah, because it's more complex than that. Like, mm. but, mm. like, on one hand, you're like, well, that's the take that 12-year-old will have, right? Yeah. Whereas it's like, okay, well, the poverty itself is the problem. The poverty is, is the cause. The yeah. cause of them- Having more children because, you know, A, they can be used as, like, weird, horrible bargaining chips. They don't have birth control. Like, fucking, as always, birth control, Jesus Christ, is useful. But on the on the other hand, you have a lot of these poorer countries where people have heaps of children because it's like, we need a lot of people to be taking care of all the fucking farms we got or XYZ so that we can make money, so we can make a living. So... Mm. It's, yeah, horribly, horribly complex. Yeah, I, 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 I find that kind of hard to disagree with. I think you could maybe see the film as presenting it from his, like, very naive point of view. But also, like, the film does make him- It does present him as really worldly and, like, you know, wisdom beyond his years because he's just school of hard knocks, for want of a better term. He's just been thrown into it and has experienced the world. So, yeah- yeah, that's kind of off. That's kind it of just hard. yeah. I there's again. I hate to make this comparison, but it's the only comparison of a awfully sad and tragic film that we've had in the two five zero that I can make. Come and see. Feels like there's a very clear and distinct force and something that you can point to that explains and rationalizes the misfortune that is happening. Mm. There's there's a a direction that you can, as an audience, channel the um, the empathetic hatred of whatever situation that our protagonist is in. You can channel the the feeling of helplessness to a a target, something to latch onto and be like, "This is happening to our protagonist because of this." Mm. Come and see, it's the fucking Nazis, and whoa, hey, isn't that a fantastic one to just Put up on a fucking dartboard and <laughs> lob darts away at. But Capernaum, it just never feels like Nadine is willing enough to explain the misfortune that is happening to, to Zane. It just very often feels like, whoa, whoa, sometimes shit just happens, doesn't it? You're poor and then, like, uh, you probably just shouldn't have had a family at all, am I right? Like, if shit was just going to go down like this, may as well not have had one at all. <laughs> uh that's all I've got for you. That's all, folks. Uh, that, that, yeah. That is all, folks. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it would right. be nice to have a, a a thing to just be able to be like, yeah, okay. The Zane is going through a lot of fucked up shit and a lot of misfortune, but it can't just be happening out of fucking nowhere. It's like mm. it's like having a villain that doesn't have a solid motivation. If you don't have a hero that is going through a tangible problem, a, t- a problem that is can be actively recognized and pointed to then the misfortune just feels senseless yeah yeah and as an audience you feel more helpless 
because you're watching the protagonist go through this problem without any form of catalyst for why they're going through the problem. Hmm. I reckon you're on something, Douglas. All right. <laughs> Fuck all that sad shit. <laughs> I, lo- I, I, I love the scene where they get that birth. She steals the birthday cake and made my day. That was awesome. She steals the birthday and she's like, happy birthday to the kid. Uh, and it's the kid's birthday. And it's delightful. Perfect. Good job at making the Instagram uh, sound clip there. Jonathan Pratty. <laughs> Dropped you, dropped you right now. It's like at the 50 minute mark, you're like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> oh, cake. Awesome. Ooh, awesome, awesome, cake. awesome. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's sort of the point of the film. Like, he's always miserable. And like, the film ends on that very cute line. It, not cute, cute, but like, cute as in like. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, nice. what, you know what I mean? Uh, Bit cheeky, of perhaps. Yeah. Cheeky screenplay. Um, where they're like, smile, dickhead, and he's like, I don't know how to. <laughs> yeah. It's your mugshot, not your death certificate. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also like, I also picked it up when he's on the Ferris wheel and he's completely unreactive. He's just mm. sitting there and he's just like, wow, that's uh, hmm, interesting. Mm. And, oh, this was a good point. I thought it was good that they don't give you the satisfaction of seeing Zane stab the guy. Yeah. I think that was like- Theater of the mind. I think that's sort of like something the film is trying to do by- Like, you, you, I think you can definitely make, and you have made a really good argument, that being sort of uncritical and just displaying the facts as they were, quote unquote, I'm doing doing finger quotes. (laughs) This is the situation. Apply your own lens to it. Work it out yourself. I I, That definitely has like a, a value to it. And I think that is in that same vein- I'm not saying yeah. it's a good or it's the it's the correct or incorrect way to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's that's in the same vein. They're like, this is not a piece of entertainment. This is just a story. That this is this is the story. Yeah, I thought that was good. And the yeah. I probably should have opened with this. The whenever they're talking about money, it's like big numbers, right? It's like ten thousand, whatever's you know, ten thousand, like. Uh, 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 Lebanese pounds is one Australian dollar. <laughs> yeah, so when he yeah. sells the he sells the hot water heater for thirty thousand Lebanese pounds, he got three bucks for that thing. He got fucked up. Yeah, and I think that's whenever um, Aspro is like talking money, he's talking dollars, like US dollars, I believe. And this is why when he's like, "You need three hundred US dollars," she's like, "Fuck me." Where the hell am I going to get 300 US dollars? Yeah. Because 10,000 and like, uh, you know, uh, a piece of food, like, uh, you know, a juice box is 250 Liberian pounds. So, then their money is just like tanked through the fucking- Yeah. Through the fucking earth. Mm. Um. Yeah. I I don't have- I've come back to the music. I wrote a note. Yep. I think I'm editing this one, aren't I? You are. Fuck. It's already <laughs> over. It's already over time. Um, what do you mean? <laughs> well, normally we cut off at like the 40 minute mark. And it's like 50 minutes. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, probably 45 once it's been edited. But there you go. Look behind the curtain, guys. But <laughs> I think the music, it sort of feels kind of generic in the way, in the general composition. But the instrumentation is normally a little something extra. I should know more about the particular instruments that they sort of use in the Middle East and and what makes them sound a bit unique compared to tick mm. compared to like an orchestral a regular orchestral score. There's some like cool vocals in this thing. I mean, they are just mm. sort of choir vocals, but they're quite fun. There's a lot of string. Seems to be the uh, the primary. It's normally like the the. It'll be like a twangy string, you know, mm. and that's quite un. You don't really get that in orchestra. There's still like Except, violins and yeah, yeah, yeah. The track Zane, which has the most listens uh, out of the uh, soundtrack, it's the what would you call it? The one. There's a word for where it's not the last thing, but the thing before the last thing. Penultimate. It's the penultimate track. Of the sound, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's the penultimate so- song of the soundtrack. Zane violin takes the main stage on mm. that piece, or I should just say, string in general. 
that's the track that stuck out to me the most, both in the film and just listening back to it now. I'm like, God, that is such a beautiful piece of mm. string composition. It's so harrowing and very evocative. Yeah. I'm on the track Underworld, and that's got a nice bit of male vocals in it. Mm. Not quite keening, but it's, it's, um, there's a lot of, what do, I don't know, I like modulation almost. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, kind of like, mm. you kind of hover around a note. That, that is, and that's a very vibrato. Yeah. That, that's such a cool thing and like quite unique to it. Mm. Mm. This is a soundtrack that I would potentially listen to completely on my own time. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I am a big ambient sucker. I'm a big you are. score sucker, but this is this is doing the trick. I've definitely found myself uh, becoming a bit more of a a film score kind of kind of dude. We just recently amongst our friend group we did a, a best video game soundtrack song tourney where we put 128 video game songs head to head with one another and eventually narrowed it down to one over the span of about Two days and probably a collective like six or seven hours worth of deliberation. Putting the list together and then yeah, running through the tourney. Yeah, absolutely. Putting the list together as well. Maybe, maybe towards the end we could round up like our top 32 soundtracks or something like that. <sighs> oh, like, oh, put them head to head with one another. Oh, God. <laughs> or maybe 16 or something like that. That'd make for a fun- at the end, you know. I think the problem is that the issue I always have with sorting and, like, grouping and ranking ambient albums that I like is that a good ambient album has a consistent tone, which means it normally isn't a standout track. And mm. those cunts are always an hour long, <laughs> which yeah. means that, like, mm. going, going, ranking them is a fucking absolute nightmare. But I do like the concept, Douglas. So we'll we'll see. Well, the rigs will be hard to look past. But yeah, I, well, I don't even I don't know because I have you ever taken the time to listen to like just the soundtrack on its own? Not on its own. There is a lot of tracks in that soundtrack that are using one of the really core riffs, like the uh, motifs. Of that soundtrack, like they do harp on, and and it's good. It works. I like the, the I like the um the the one that plays in. Fuck, I just, all it's that's all, in my brain is it, is is it like the victorious one or oh, Elrond? No, okay. it's the it's the um the real elven one. It's the one that plays in like the elven village or whatever. And there's that really beautiful vocal that's over over the top oh, of it, oh. and it just it it sounds like it should probably be in World of Warcraft, but <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Gives a very great sense of awe. We'll we'll see. I am so we'll excited to, to watch those films. I'm very very yeah. excited to watch those films. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, it's weird because the more I listen, the more I like clue into the soundtrack. It wow, okay, it is largely once again like almost fairly conventional orchestral stuff, but there is this this choir underneath it, like almost like a ghostly choir. Holding underneath some of these tracks that really fucking elevates it. I really love that. This is a dope in soundtrack. Capernaum in this one. or in Capernaum. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think I was still on Underworld. I think it just finished. Yes. Anyway, um, let's uh get to the trivia zone. Douglas, not too much trivia, please. I'm I'm quite full. I don't need too much more <laughs> trivia. I've already well, talked. We've already talked. I already beat a bunch of the trivia. Beat you to the punch on a bunch of the trivia. You did. So, Lucky yeah. for you. There's not a terrible amount of trivia that's on IMDb's trivia thing. Anyway, the title Capernaum was imposed on Nadine Labucky without the filmmaker realizing it. When she began thinking about the feature film, her husband offered to write on a whiteboard in the middle of their living room all the themes she wanted to talk about. Her obsessions of the moment. At one point, she looked at the board and said. Seun Capernaum. It's chaos. Ah, very cute. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Capernaum is a fiction of which all the elements are things that Nadine Lebucky has really seen and experienced during her research in the field. Nothing is fantasized or imagined. On the contrary, all that we see there is the result of her visits to deprived neighborhoods, detention centers, and juvenile prisons where she went alone. Oof. Grueling. I'm assuming- Nadine is cashed the fuck up, though. 
Yeah, I yeah. Probably. She sort of has. Um, she she kind of got her claim to fame through doing Arabic music videos. Um, okay. And she's lauded with bringing a bunch of um Arabic artists like to into the spotlight, quote unquote. It's like the everything everywhere guys, the Daniels music yeah. video guys. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Also, I feel like we probably should have said this at the top of the podcast. Fucking sick to have a, a female director. About goddamn. Oh time. yeah, we sort of breeze straight past it. I th- don't know. If Very cool. She ha- I don't know if she hard is. I don't know what. The first female director. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to keep it in. First female director in a while, Douglas. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was giving you a lead back in to jump no, back no, no. to where- okay, Oh, thank fine. you for that lead back in, Douglas. No, uh, uh, Jihad is a dude, but uh, Michelle is- uh, Fucking good luck editing that. <laughs> later as well. So, you know, nice balanced directing and writing team, Douglas. It's cute. Yeah. I like it. Yep. Uh, producer Khaled Muzanar took out a mortgage on his house to raise, raise a budget. Holy shit. That's, that's great. That's excellent. Dedication. Absolutely. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think everything else is has already been documented. Oh, actually, ended on a nice thing. Uh, during filming, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees applied for resettlement on behalf of lead actor Zayn al-Rafia and his family, who had all been sleeping on the floor in one room. They were subsequently relocated to a two-story house in Norway, where Zayn is currently learning to read and write. That is nice to hear. I'm glad. And and once again, this is sort of like the film harps on this is like that does not fix the situation. Yeah. But it is nice. But it doesn't fix the situation. <laughs> Zane anyway. got really, 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 really lucky and got Yeah, for real. Discovered. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, if you enjoyed this episode of the 250 Podcast. We put new episodes out every week, Tuesday midnight, Australian Eastern Standard Time, which comes out to Monday mornings in Europe and Monday, nope, Monday, yep, Monday more Monday afternoons in Europe, <laughs> Monday mornings in America. Douglas, where can people go if they want more info on the podcast? If you want more info on the podcast, you can go to www.250.com. It's the main hub for all things 250. There's a Woo-hoo! bunch of little posters that will pop up on the homepage there, and that's uh, every single film that we've watched out of IMDb's top 250 films of all time from January. The list is in order uh, from January uh, 2020, the snapshot. Uh, there's a couple of different links at the top of the website there. There's a link to check us out on Instagram, which is at 250pod, uh, same as it's uh, spelt, just whack a pod on the end of it. Uh, there's a link to listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but we are available wherever good podcasts are sold. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you didn't enjoy this episode, please give us a cheeky little five-star review or a, a, a review that you deem uh, amenable, because... We're getting fucked over there because <laughs> uh, we probably said an opinion that a bunch of people did, or maybe one person didn't like, and then they're just like, "Hey, fucking fuck these guys!" It's hard being a critic, Douglas. It's <laughs> so hard. You wouldn't I'm understand. I truly would. I'm pretty sure we made this exact joke last time. We Douglas did. and I both use Letterbox, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website. They're great. Big fans of my account on Letterbox is Upa. That is U U U P A H and Douglas. My account is Enzo Knight. I E N Z O K N I G H T. Enzo Knight. You can look up Upa Enzo Knight or Two Five O in the Letterbox search engine, and you'll find. What are you giggling for, <laughs> Douglas? You che- you were checking your driver's license while yeah. you were, re- while you were I reading saw, out. <laughs> I just saw something just, on the back of oh, my wall. Oh shit! I forgot. I, I did like a triple take on it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> the letterbox. Uh, we do written reviews of all the films that we talk about on the Five Hours Awesome Games. Spare time. Uh, I went to the cinema and watched the new Makoto Shinkai film Suzume. I watched it on fucking VMAX, which is uh, for those who, who I don't know whether this is a global thing or not, but it's big screen. And I did notice a running trend with. Near all of the films that I've watched at the cinema, I have reacted very favorably to, and Suzume continues that trend <laughs> uh, in the form of, I think Suzume is, dare I say it, better than your name, uh, as far well, as, um, like- But Douglas, your name is a pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. But there's there's a lot of similarities, and there's enough conversation and enough, like- 
credit to the fact that Shinkai just kind of copy pastes a bit here, but I think that it's just a very touching story and it's very well grounded in real world circumstances and that of the Great Japan Eastern Earthquake that happened in 2011. 20,000 people died. Definitely go look it up. It enriches the experience if you are at all keen on watching it. And yeah, the animation is beautiful as per expected. And Radwimps and Kazuma Junuchi went absolutely fucking hard on the soundtrack. If you're going to do anything, you as well, Jonathan, go listen to uh, Cat Chase from the uh, Susan May soundtrack. Um, it goes. Imagine me listening to music, Douglas. Oh. Goes needlessly hard and it will Ridiculous. give you whiplash when you hear it in the film. It just comes at the weirdest point, but it works and great. Yeah, go check out Susan May. Yeah. That's all I did. How about you? What have I been up to? Because I haven't been watching movies. Let me check my journal. <laughs> so, were you just taking a photo of yourself on the reflection of you in your. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I just noticed this very reflective part of my mic and uh, my mic boom, and it um it makes my like my face is in the bottom corner and my forehead is the f- the top three quarters because I'm stretched oh out God. like Mega Mind, but I couldn't quite hey, get the angle uh, of my phone camera. Jonathan, quick trivia: what um what is Susume? What real world event is Susume based on? I don't know. Yeah, you little bitch! You ain't listening to me at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> um. Yeah, have you watched anything? Are you on your DS right now? This is a- Oh, it does kind of look like a DS. No, it's a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just the way you're holding it, it looks like a DS. I haven't done anything. Oh, that's a shame. Like, the last week. I mean, I wow. went to- I went to a show. <laughs> you haven't consumed too much media. I went to an experimental night show at the Metropolitan Hotel. Come see me. Um, I'm not performing there, but I will be- I, I go to that show. I'm not going to tell you who I am, so maybe don't <laughs> So, you got to guess. There was a dude- I don't know his actual name, but his handle is Freema, F-F-R-R-E-E-M-M-A-A. He comes with a fucking stack of cassettes. There's recorded himself, so like field recordings or like things that he's done previously. And he composed them into this experience that was just lovely. It was wonderful. And he was sort of fading in and out of different cassettes. And I was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, Art. No, yeah. And then everything else was like (laughs) me going to like parties and shit. So like, whatever. Nice. I haven't seen any movies. No. I watched, I've been watching a bit of, I watched White Lotus part season one and two. Those are fun. Uh, There's a great- thoughts, commentary? Yeah, they're, they're fun. They're fun. They're fun. I watched most of them, which- No, I didn't. My- I I find it so hard to watch TV, but I love it when my partner is watching a show that I'm sort of interested in, because then I can, like, walk into the room and go, sit down for half an hour. I'm like, no, it's cool. I'm not going to sit down and watch the rest of it. (laughs) I will see you in three episodes. (laughs) But no, they were were fun from- from what I from what I watched, they were you know interesting characters and interesting situations, which is sort of what you want from a TV show. But I didn't watch any Absolutely. fucking movies, Douglas, and I won't watch any movies. I hate you movies. You can't make me. You can't make me watch any movies. Um, like we got a comment on the YouTube channel, Douglas. Oh, nope. This was in February. <laughs> the YouTube channel that I have not been updating for. Years. Years now, yeah. Ron M says on Gangs of War, say, Per, this is a rare movie where the trivia was also more awesome than the insane movie itself. What a ride. Thank you, Ron. I agree. Still haven't found Gangs of War, say, Per, part two. <laughs> part two, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> but it was kind of a fun movie. Uh, Gangs of War, say, Per continues to be the highest listened episode of the 250, so- any Gangs of Wall Street Perth fans that came through and wanted us to talk about the whole part one and part two. Sorry. I still don't know. We try our best. Everything else where it's had multiple parts has been clear what part yeah. one and part two is. And yeah. it just says Gangs of Wall Perth. I'm like, yeah. what bit, dickhead? It might have been the part two was the bit that people liked more. And we just couldn't get, we just, uh, we just couldn't get it. <laughs> it might have been the better part. Although I do think we enjoyed Maybe. it. Maybe. 
Maybe. That was a long time. That was, Douglas, that was episode 15. Oh, shit. And Jesus fucking now, Christ. There are 173 episodes of the 250 so far. People like that movie, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it's just there's not too many people talking about it. So, that's why it kind of- That's probably fair enough. Anyway, um, yeah, I've really fucked myself. I'm going to edit this now and- Oh, no, we're fine. Whatever. It'll be- It'll be- Actually, this might be a nice, neat uh, Nice, hour. clean- Yeah. Because I didn't watch any movies, so we didn't have anything to talk about. Got any closing thoughts, Douglas? Poverty is shit. <laughs> Poverty is bad? <laughs> 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 Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you have a great night. Um, catch you later. Why is my tongue blue? Why is your tongue? How did I not notice that? I've been talking to you for- I've been looking at you for an hour. Uh.